Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Attention therapists, All CEUs is grateful to our new sponsor, the Diversion Center. They offer workbooks that are 100% editable and delivered to you in a Word document on topics including anger management, substance use disorders, domestic violence, parenting, and shoplifting addiction. Each workbook can be used for individual or group sessions and is over 120 pages. You have the option to add or remove content, insert your name as the author, and reprint and resell the workbooks to your clients. Go to privatelabelworkbooks.com and take advantage of their buy one, get one free bundle offers. Remember, that's privatelabelworkbooks.com. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the week-by-week guide. This is part four, and I'm your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes. Remember, you can find in-depth videos on each of the topics that we talk about at docsnipes.com. In the past couple of weeks, you've started doing a lot of different things. So what I start out the fourth session with is reviewing your morning and evening mindfulness logs for physical, affective or emotional, cognitive, environmental and relationship themes and your sleep trends. I want to see, are you starting to feel physically better? What's your mood like? What are your thoughts like? Do you tend to be more pessimistic? Are you having... um, more optimism. What is your environment like? Are you um, experiencing a sense of safety? And are your relationships improving, either in quality or you're wanting to engage with people more? We also review what's being done for the 15-minute happiness break each day. And that was something that you started from last week, identifying uh, comedians or videos that uh, you could watch that could help you feel happy. 15 minutes, whether it's on your way to work or during lunch or when you're working out or whenever, 15 minutes of happiness. Then we explore any meditation or distress tolerance skills that are working for you to help get them working for you to help you get into your wise mind. And and these are skills that we talked about, I believe, in in session two. But you've had a chance to start actually using them and practicing them some. And it's important to ferret out, you know, which ones work and which ones don't. The ones that don't, okay, we're going to push those off to the side. But really start getting a toolbox of tools that are effective for you. Then we'll review progress and trends in your baseline data for your top three symptoms. So, you know, again, I usually don't make people do their own math. I take the baseline data and we look at it and I add up all the scores and then divide by seven. And we look at what the average weekly score is 
for each person. We also may look at, for example, the frequency of days in a week that were above three. And, and we talk about that. If it's going up, great. We want to think about, you know, what, what are you doing right now that is helping this go up? What's changed? If it's staying steady, then we want to talk about, you know, what might be helpful to help propel you forward. And if there are days or a week that goes backwards, then we're going to talk about, you know, what changed, what might have triggered uh, you to start going backwards in terms of your energy or your mood or your sleep. And then we're going to reflect on your goals. How far forward have you moved in the past month? This is week four. So you've had, you know, almost a month to start developing new habits, to start moving towards recovery, happiness as you define it. So how far forward have you moved? What's your progress been? And what's been most helpful? And, and I can best liken this to taking a picture of your puppy when you first bring it home and taking a picture of him every week. And at the end of a month or six months or something, looking at those pictures because you probably didn't see on a day-to-day -day basis how quickly Fido was growing. But then when you look at those pictures from day one when you brought him home to day 31, it's like, wow, oh my gosh, how much have you grown? We'll also review the cognitive distortions worksheets that you did. Remember, you were supposed to identify your top three anger, anxiety, and depression triggers and apply the cognitive distortions worksheet uh, to that to identify thinking errors that may contribute to you um, either using emotional reasoning or personalizing or engaging in mind reading, etc. Additionally, you were asked to try to identify at least one situation each day that triggered you and review your beliefs involved in that situation for cognitive distortions and apply the cognitive distortions worksheet. So obviously last week was really focused on starting to address the way you perceive things and the way you think about things in order to become more moderate instead of extreme, more fact-based instead of emotion-based, and more um, holistic instead of personalizing everything. We'll discuss what events uh, these triggers are related to and why they promote a sense of unsafeness or disempowerment. So for example, if when somebody uh, contradicts you, when they disagree with you, it triggers your anger, we're going to explore why that is. What is it about somebody um, disagreeing with you make that triggers a sense of unsafeness, a, triggers a fear of rejection? Where does that come from? Did you experience that in childhood? You know, do you have a trauma that is being triggered when that happens, when you feel like people disagree with you? This week, we're going to start talking about nutrition. We've already talked about sleep. We're going to start talking about nutrition. Your hormones and neurotransmitters and the way your body functions and your nervous system communicates is directly impacted by what you eat and drink. So you're going to learn about the connection between nutrition and depression and how to eat to support mental health with handouts. Generally, I give a, a very simple handout 
and through a video on nutrition and mental health that can be seen on the YouTube channel. We'll discuss any glaring problems and possible solutions. A lot of times people already know some of their nutrition pitfalls, like not drinking enough water, not eating vegetables or fruits, eating lots of things that are high in sugar and fat, or drinking too much caffeine. Those are pretty common pitfalls for people who are experiencing depression. High sugar, high fat foods tend to trigger dopamine and serotonin. So that in some ways is a method of trying to self-medicate the, some of the mood issue. Unfortunately, high sugar, high fat foods also contribute to uh, blood sugar uh, spikes and crashes as well as inflammation. So while it may feel good in the moment, it often has the impact of worsening depression in the long run. So we talk about, you know, those particular things and identify which ones you, the, you might be willing to address. Dehydration. Are you willing to start trying to carry a water bottle or drink water at every meal instead of drinking soda or coffee? Are you willing to exper experiment with vegetables or fruits? Vegetables and fruits are high in antioxidants. Antioxidants are helpful at reducing inflammation. Reduced inflammation helps reduce depression. We know this. Uh, so is, is the person willing to explore those things? And if so, what vegetables and fruits might they consider? And, and a lot of times people start out, unless they have diabetes, um, a lot of people start out with fruits because they are sweeter and tend to be more palatable than things like celery, for example. But experimenting can be helpful. They've also got a lot of smoothie powders and things that are out on the market now that have dehydrated greens in them. They have dehydrated kale and spinach and things. And they actually taste pretty good. You don't taste the spinach and kale. I'm a big fan. Um, but not saying that it's work, would, it would work for you. I'm just saying that I'm a fan. Uh, and, and trying to consider how to moderate caffeine so you're not constantly stressing that threat response axis, that HPA axis. I ask people to start keeping a log of their nutrition for, for the next week using an app like Spark People. It's a free app you can download and it's really pretty intuitive. And it will identify based on the foods that you enter, which nutrients you get plenty of and which ones that you might be deficient in. So you can start seeing, am I eating a well-rounded diet? Now, as a behavioral health clinician, it is outside my scope of practice to recommend particular <clears throat> um, dietary changes for people. As far as, you know, it's, it's out of my scope of practice to give them a menu. It's out of my scope of practice to tell them, you need to eat this. It's my, within my scope of practice to educate people about, for example, how vegetables and fruits can help and encourage them to think about considering adding them. If people need more help with their nutrition after we do the Spark People assessment, they do their nutrition uh, log for a week, then I may make a referral to a nutritionist or a dietitian. But a lot of people can find the majority of the information that they need on um, USDA.gov, for example, or other reputable websites that provide basic nutrition information. 
This week, we're also going to start talking about positive journaling, toxic positivity, and tragic optimism. Toxic positivity prevents people from experiencing their feelings. It just tells them to suck it up and get over it instead of processing it. Tragic optimism says, let's acknowledge your pain. Let's acknowledge what's going on right now and, you know, all the ways it sucks. Let's, you know, help the person acknowledge it so they can process it, figure out how to deal with it, and see hope, see a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so you're going to learn about the difference between toxic positivity and tragic optimism by watching the video on toxic positivity. Um, and then you're going to start spending about 20 minutes each day focusing on what is going right in your life, preferably that day. And this is already partially um, integrated into your evening mindfulness worksheet. So, you know, adding a few more minutes on your evening mindfulness worksheet so you've got what you do in the mindfulness worksheet, you know, your reflection on the day, your reflection on what went right, your reflection on what went wrong and ways to address it, but then adding 20 minutes to focus on what went right. And a lot of times I encourage people to finish with this. So they're finishing with the positive and they're finishing balancing it out. You've got this distressful stuff over here that you talked about, but oh yeah, there's also this, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. And finally, you're going to start working on your autobiography this week. And I give people two weeks to do their autobiography because, you know, depending on how old they are, it may take a while, but it's also a very energy intensive activity. Um, autobiography prompts. So what you're going to do is begin with your first memory. For some people, it's when they're two. For some people, it's when they're 12. But whatever your first memory is, who's important in your life? Are they nurturing, supportive, or toxic? How is your health? You know, do you have a lot of pain? Are you experiencing health problems? Are you happy? If not, why not? What is your most prominent emotion at this time and why? So if you had to think back to fourth grade and you had to use one word to describe how you felt that year, what would it be? Who is important in your life? What were the significant events that happened this year? What caused them? What was your reaction to those events? And how does that event continue to impact you today? So that's a lot. You're going to repeat that for every year. Now, most people have a hard time thinking, well, when I was 10, blah, 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 I can't really remember where I was. But I can remember, for example, fourth grade. And fourth grade is about when most people are 10. I can remember my fourth grade teacher. So by using grade instead of age, it helps me anchor myself so I can think, okay, I was going to have this teacher, I was going to this school, I lived in this house, etc. So it helps me get oriented. Um, as you get older, you know, once you get into college and post-college and things, you may not have grades to anchor you. So trying to figure out anchors that can help you identify what was going on. Like, for example, I can think of when I was a particular age, I had my son. So thinking at that year, the year I had my son, what was going on? And then I can remember the next year when he was one. And, and those helped me anchor and work through my timeline. 
In the first three weeks, you developed an awareness of what your symptoms were and all of the different things that might be contributing to them. You were empowered to get a physical to address physiological issues. You know, all the talk therapy in the world is not going to reverse hypothyroid. And if one of the main causes of your low mood and low energy is hypothyroid, then, you know, that's a pretty simple fix. You developed a safety plan. You identified distress tolerance skills, began practicing mindfulness and meditation to help you stay grounded and get into your wise mind when you were triggered. You began addressing sleep issues to ensure you had as much energy and mental clarity as possible for when you start addressing your core issues. And you started learning about cognitive distortions, thinking errors, and ways to restructure them. Now we're doing all of this in preparation of starting to explore core issues because I want people to have the skills and tools that they need to address those issues and memories, but also to help themselves continue to feel safe even when they're experiencing dis distressful memories. This week, we explored themes and the origins of schema for cognitive distortions, discussed the importance of nutrition in maintaining mental health, and explored the technique of positive journaling and tragic optimism. In the coming week, you will continue your mindfulness worksheets, baseline data collection, your happiness breaks at lunch, that 15 minutes, monitoring your thoughts for cognitive distortions and completing a worksheet when you notice that you're having an unhelpful thought. You'll begin adding positive journaling to the end of your evening mindfulness and begin working on your autobiography for about 30 minutes a day. This show was produced by Mr. Charles Snipes and presented by Dr. Donalise Snipes. You can learn more about addressing depression at docsnipes.com YouTube. They can be reached at 1633 West Main Street, Suite 902, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37087, or by email at support at docsnipes.com.